Dueling Genre Productions presents... Oh my God, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my God, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today, we have Cleo Linda Jones. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. Um, so today we'll be talking about Minute 162, which starts with um, Galadriel continuing walking by her little uh, pedestal and ends with... Frodo taking a step towards Galadriel. Yeah. So it's more exciting than that sounds, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I get such a Greek oracle vibe from this whole scenario. Between her dress, the shape of the vase, the use of water for mm-hmm. like fortune telling. There's also uh I love artwork, uh Lord of the Rings artwork, concept art, but also fan art and pro art. There's a beautiful Lord of the Rings tarot card set, and they have this as temperance, this particular Ooh. scene, which is a really interesting kind of take on that. But yeah, she mm-hmm. has a very, somewhere between Greek and medieval and pre-Raphaelite kind of all mixed in. Yeah. And the the designs here on everything that you can see, like behind Frodo and on the on the pedestal, are all very Celtic. Mm-hmm. The intertwining kind of vine patterns on everything. There's even um, there's there's uh, engraving on her uh, her vessel too, right? The the pitcher. I thought the pitcher was just because uh, it looks like smooth. to me, 
it looked like there was engraving on it when she pours the water into it. I think there may be on the neck of the pitcher. Yeah. Because like I said, I have I have screen caps open. <laughs> and maybe not. I'm not sure. I, I do have a link at some point to uh, the Casa Loma exhibit where they have the boots and the pitcher and the uh, the basin all together. So we, I think there is some etching right on the inside of the basin as you look yeah. down. Um, there's that shot where she lifts up her arm to start pouring the water in, and it looks like the the actual vessel has some etching on it too. But that could be also just lighting or yeah, it's hard to tell if it's reflection or etching. Yeah. Oh no, there is some design on it. It's like a spider web going out. Or maybe it's supposed to be trees. Oh, that's cool too. Coming up to the top yeah. of it, like a like roots. Mm-hmm. It's, it that is makes very sense. hard to notice what that pattern is it's very hard to see it's very subtle but that also reminds me of the way they approach the design of the ring how it's a very simple wedding band looking ring as opposed to something you know very engraved or flowery or filigree Mm -hmm. it's it's deceptively simple you look at it a little closer and there's something there yeah yeah I mean, I feel like it almost had to be though because the description of it says that you can see the engraving in it when it's bathed in fire. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they really had no choice but to go with something really simple for the design of the ring. I think the ring in one of the animated versions is a little more ornate, I think, on the outside. Oh, okay. I really like the simplicity they went with. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the... Uh, well, we do see the ring at this point, at, at some point in this scene. But the idea of a wedding ring, like the way you're bound to it that itself has a really interesting right subtext to it yeah so things that were things that are and some things that have not yet come to pass right which is in the book it's things, things that, that may yet be things that may yet be yeah which is a little more or poetic yet maybe. i have it bookmarked in front of my yeah. face <laughs> it's a little more poetic in the in the book the delivery of that line but, it, I mean, it means the same thing. I kind of like the fact that they changed the line, though. Um, I think it underscores, because it's so much longer yeah. than the first two, it really drives home that, like, you you could see the future, yeah. too. Because it, it's, it's a little, and it's not as archaic as things that yet may be. Yeah, there's a lot more archaic style language in lines in the book than there are in the movie. Right. It's also interesting that she uses the word pass because it's a more active verb than be. And when you think of them literally passing into Mordor through these, you know, like literal mountain passes. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of foreshadowing literally passing into the shadow of the Valley of Darkness. And this is what may happen as opposed to it may be right right the other thing too i think is that the language here is actually more concrete than the language may yet be may yet be implies to me at least that there's a possibility that what you see doesn't happen but the language has has not yet come to pass implies that what you see will happen yeah this is definitely a course you are on collision with if you keep doing things the way you are doing them. 
with mm-hmm. the fellowship and if you do not break away. Yeah. So I think that there's also some of that in changing the language to like make it a more concrete statement. Because they're trying to hammer on the, the whole point of this scene in the context of the movie. And we'll see like the real bit of that tomorrow is to finally push Frodo away from the fellowship. Do you think that's her intention, though? I mean, I I guess she explicitly says it later on, but... Yeah, I think it is. I think that it's her intention to, like, wake Frodo up to the to the danger of his situation. But I think... I, you know of whom I speak. Right. Yeah. I think that Frodo is already aware of the danger of his situation. Because, I mean, I read this bit in the book right before we were recording and unless this conversation that she has with him after he looks at the eye of Sauron which we're getting ahead of ourselves but whatever um <laughs> it doesn't really happen in this section um so i don't know if it happens later on right before they leave Lothlorien um i didn't get that far but it's i mean we'll talk about it more when it happens but it just yeah. seems like a weird thing to encourage yeah you know what i mean yeah we'll we'll talk about that a little more tomorrow too um i don't know i feel like her intention from the beginning of this is to cause what happens when they leave Lothlorien. like she she probably has already seen all of that in her mirror so she's trying to make it happen but how does she i mean she's she's not a time lord or anything like <laughs> she can see the future yeah you know but just because you see what happens doesn't mean that has to happen i we've talked about fate yes. at life <laughs> but i don't know but she sees she may see multiple futures you know she may see a lot mm-hmm. of things and it's not certain yet but if you do this right this is probably the outcome yeah she's setting up the dominoes to fall the way she saw it yeah She's she's puppeting Frodo to make sure that he succeeds. I really like the way that she delivers these lines, too. Uh, uh, complete with the motion of the way that she's pouring. Yeah, and then she she kind of holds the pitcher close to her when she says in some things that have not yet come to pass, and she kind of smirks at him a little bit. And that it's it's kind of like a temptation, but it's also really threatening still, too. Well, she kind of has a playful smirk on her face for a lot of this whole scene. Yeah. I mean, we have a frozen, we have a screen cap right now where she is kind of smirking. Yeah, things that are. <laughs> things that are. Yeah. I don't, I, I love the way this line is delivered with the motion of pouring the vase mm-hmm. because it, it makes the scene active despite being like. Her telling him what's happening. Right. Yeah. And, and despite this being a really quiet minute and like a really quiet moment, it adds just a little more energy to the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important as opposed to her standing there with a the picture. And talking right and just dumping some water in a yeah. pot <laughs> and i that i don't know if she's a theater actor i think we talked about this a little uh off mic i think about whether or not she's a theater actor or a model or like really aware of different things that theater actors tend to be mm-hmm. this kind of maybe she does i don't know i don't know a lot about her background before she started being in movies She's definitely a theater. I mean, she's doing theater now, I think, currently. She definitely started out there and has been doing theater on and off between movies. So she definitely, Kate Blanchett definitely has 
a a sense of her body and movement in the space around yeah. her. I mean, she's so good at these subtle looks and and motions to really communicate the kind of threatening nature of Galadriel in this scene. And the music really helps. I feel like she's a lot more threatening in the movie than she is in the book. Like, in the book, she's a little mysterious, but she's also fairly quiet and, like, almost gentle. Um, But this is a lot more, like, kind of veiled power, I think. Yeah. In the movie. That's more what I got from the morning scene where she gives them the gifts and is very supportive and gentle and that's more what i think of from the book yeah so it's it's interesting to kind of give you a better sense of how much power she might actually have and how much i don't know maybe control over the situation she has i mean knowledge itself is a sort of power and control She also says that even the very wise do not know what they will see. And, of course, she is one of the very wise. (laughs) I mean, that may kind of speak to the idea that she sees many things, and not all of them will happen. Some of them could. And she herself doesn't know. I think what's interesting is that, you know, we talked about how this whole scene makes you uncertain of who she is and what side she's on. But she doesn't know what side really, she doesn't know all that much about Frodo and how strong he is, what side he might end Mm -hmm. up on. I think she's testing him as well as we're kind of testing her watching to see what she's going to do. She's, I think that's why she looks a little mischievous or threatening because she's like, you know, I I don't know if you're going to take my advice. You need to do this. Let me show you why. I like how um, in the book, Frodo asks if she advises him to look into the mirror after Sam does. And she just, she says, no, I do not counsel you one way or the other. I'm not a counselor. So she, I mean, even in the book, there's that sense of like mischievousness. Words are hard. (laughs) I mean, even that line, I'm not a counselor. She doesn't Mm -hmm. counsel anyone. She doesn't give anyone advice. She tells them what to do. It's interesting, though, like the... Jeez. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. Um, the the contrast between Elrond and Galadriel, like Elrond, like the Council of Elrond. Yeah. And <laughs> now you have, like, Galadriel. Just like... Eh. The one-woman show. Yeah. Look into the water, man. <laughs> I I think it's a matter of free will. She wouldn't advise you to do it, but she wants you to come to it mm-hmm. on your own. But let's show you some things that will lead you to that decision if you have the strength to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they don't include, I mean, they've cut that dialogue out. So in the movie, that may or may not be true. Although she doesn't specifically give him advice yeah. either. No, she just, she stares him in the face, pours the water in the basin, and then steps away. That's kind of why I read this scene in the movie a little more like a temptation instead of a... Uh, this is like the last temptation of Frodo. <laughs> kind of, I guess. <laughs> like, she's not necessarily the little devil on your shoulder, but she's not necessarily the little angel either. So she's kind of... She wants him to play with fire. Yeah, literally, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean... She needs to know. 
if he's strong enough to carry what he's carrying. She also needs to answer a question about herself. Now that this thing is in her realm. So this whole, like I said yesterday, this whole scenario is very cat and mouse. Mm -hmm. Because what happens if she decides that Frodo isn't worth, isn't powerful enough or strong enough to carry the ring? What does she do then? Right. I mean, she can't really do anything. Like, it's a really interesting situation she kind of puts herself in here. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot going on under the surface that is really interesting the way that she communicates that. Yeah. Um, in her performance. I also love that she goes back and forth with telepathy and spoken word throughout this scene. Um, I think that's next minute. I just mean like in general. Oh, I think it general. adds to the like mischievousness and the threatening like presence that Galadriel has throughout yeah. all of this. It's also really good that she didn't have to say he's gonna take the ring out loud. Right. <laughs> like, don't don't let him know that you know. <laughs> don't let him know. <laughs> I think that's I think that's this minute. I think so too. There's lots there's but there's like there's so much to talk about, but it's like all of it happens yeah, later. It so. has to do with the context <laughs> of things uh, yeah. down the line. Uh, so we are from the website duelinggenre.com. Um, you can check us out there as well as some of our other podcasts, The Doctor's Companion, which is a Doctor Who podcast, which is back because Doctor Who is back. Super excited. Um, and Geek by Night, which is our fictional audio drama podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us again, Cleo Linda. It's good to be on. Yeah. (laughs) And... Special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. I hope everyone has a good Tuesday, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye.